faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Well, aloha and welcome to another session of the believer's journey. Um, I'm glad you came today. Today our topic is going to be a real hot issue. It's been this hot not only in, in the United States, but all over the world. And it's about freedom and liberty. So we want to talk about that. I want you to show you that, you know, for the first time in, I don't know how many years, 20 years, I don't know, I'm not wearing an Aloha shirt. So I'm wearing my, you know, American red, white, and blue stars and stripes shirt that, um, uh, take note because you won't see this again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, with me is my guest is uh, Carlos Castaneda, and uh, I want uh, we'll be sharing together. And um, I like to introduce him. Uh, hello, Carlos. Hi, Alan. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It is great to be here, and uh, really privileged to be here with you. Well, I have to let everybody know Carlos is just a dear friend of mine. He's one of my closest friends to my heart. And I love him so much and his family. And we've become so close in the last, what, nine, ten, ten years, ten years. or something like that? Ten yeah. years. And he's got an incredible story. Uh, he's got an incredible heart. And I just wanted to bring him on. This is kind of a, uh, in a lot of ways, um, he's a very humble guy. In fact, if you go to his website, there's not even <laughs> anything written up about him. So I thought that was kind of unusual. And so I couldn't copy and write up something then that I found on this website. I had to write it up myself because what I know. <laughs> Since then also, Carlos, has, he was a lead pastor for the Spanish-speaking congregation of the megachurch, San, uh, <laughs> Community Bible Church in San Antonio, Texas, um, in January of 2019. And that was, what, 2014, wasn't it? The, yeah, the we started the ministry, yeah, 2014. Okay. And in 2019, in January, Patty, uh, Carlos's wife and Carlos, started her, their own church. They ventured out, and they started Iglesia Vida Nueva Stone Oak in San Antonio, Texas. For those of you who don't understand Spanish, okay, that literally means the New Life Church. Yes. Okay. So uh, today, their congregation is growing. It's got a positive influence on their community. And uh, Carlos is held in high esteem throughout the city of San Antonio, especially in the Hispanic community. Um, I uh, am very familiar with his church, and uh, they're doing some great things over there. And uh, when I said they have a positive influence on their community, uh, I really mean that. We'll get into that in a little bit when we talk about your church. Anyway, Carlos, go ahead and talk to us and tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, Alan, first of all, thank you very much for allowing me to be here. It is great to be here with you. It is a privilege just to be able to share, share about God, share about our lives and what God is doing in, in our lives and our ministries. And uh, But uh, yeah, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about, about us. Um, my family and I, my wife and I, uh, we came here to San Antonio in 2009. And uh, we in... We're coming from Cuernavaca, Mexico, and Patty and I, we were pastors there, and uh, we came here, uh, yeah, looking for opportunities, and uh, we didn't know what what God has planned for us, and we came, uh, I looked for a job, and uh, I got a job where the owner gave us a sponsorship to be here, to work here, and uh, God opened doors, but we didn't know uh, what the future was going to bring, because uh, God had a a plan for us to be part of a church at Community Bible Church, being part of the Spanish ministry uh, in 2009. And uh, in 2014, we started being the pastors for the Spanish ministry here, I mean, there at CBC, uh, under the uh, help and support of Pastor Robert Emmett. Uh, he was just about to shut down or uh, click the switch off for that ministry, and I told him, you know, uh, we'll do our best, and we'll try, uh, I mean, we'll serve, and we'll can do the pastor's job, and uh, he said, okay, Carlos, let's do it and see what happens, and uh, I really appreciate the 
uh, that he trusted in God first, and he trusted that we could do the, that ministry. And uh, we're so happy because Patty and I we've been uh, working on that ministry ever since here in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, uh, as a family, we have uh, three kids, and they all are involved in the ministry. Uh, our oldest daughter she sings, and uh, that the. Uh, that is Alejandra. Charlie, uh, he does a lot of videos and he's doing a lot of things with the church. He runs everything for the video and sound and all that. And Andrea, which uh, she's been playing violin and she's sung at the church and she does the technical stuff. So uh, my wife, Patty, and I, we're really happy and glad to uh, see our kids grow uh, also in the church and what God is doing with them. And um, uh, But I'll tell you a little bit, uh, you said about my life in general then. Um, actually, I was born in Zacatecas, Mexico. I moved to Mexico City when I was 12 years old. I came here to the States, uh, and I became a Christian in Boston, Massachusetts. That was a long time ago, and uh, that was in 1988. And in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, I saw a missionary team going back to Mexico City, uh, going to Mexico City to start a church, so I decided to go back to Mexico to be part of that team. And I didn't know that God had the plan that I would needed to go back to Mexico so I could meet my future wife, Patty. <laughs> so I met her there, and, uh, and uh, we've been leading, uh, we've been pastors m- maybe since 2003 because we got married and uh, we had kids, and I, I, didn't, I was not a pastor for a little while, and, uh, and then we started leading again in 2003. So God has been good with us, and now here in San Antonio. Uh, 2009, we had the pleasure to meet you. At, uh, at Dean Rush's house, where we had our first Bible group here in San Antonio, and uh, it has been a blessing. We have nothing to complain about. God has been good <laughs> with us. That's so wonderful. I have to say that, you know, Carlos and Patty's children, uh, if I could adopt them, I would. Uh, <laughs> they're not your typical preacher's kids. Uh, they really love the Lord, they really are wonderful. And uh, they're so dear to my heart. Before uh, Allie got married, you know, she and I would go out to lunch. I don't know if it was every other week or once a month, or, and we would just sit and talk. And, and it was really, really uh, nice. Uh-huh. And I consider her like a daughter. And uh, Andrea, same thing. Oh, my, she, she's amazing. Um, so you have amazing kids. And I, and I really think that you and Patty have just done a remarkable job. You know, in raising them to the point where they are just in love with the Lord. Yeah, you can always thank my wife because she's she's great, great with them. <laughs> well, I do have to say, knowing both of the two of you, you know, Patty probably is the the ruler in the family and, and uh, <laughs> the straight one, and probably keeps you in line too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is really a blessing because God, God is, God is being good with us. And like you said, I mean, we've been, we're very proud of our kids and what they're doing. And uh, it is the kind of things that, uh, actually, the Bible says that you you teach the kid in in the ways of the Lord when they're little, you know, and they will never uh, drift apart. And that is my own translation, okay? But, uh, <laughs> but that's what it is. And really, it is a blessing just to see them. And I'm so thankful for my wife, Patty, and everything she does. And well, you know, and I think it's a struggle with um, parents who raise their kids, and then they're ready to go off into college or go off and get married and marry somebody in the military and fly away somewhere. Um, that I think it's it's hard. It's it's a heartbreaking. It's it's. But, you know, the bottom line is the Lord gives us these kids to race, mm-hmm. and uh, they're a gift of him, from him. And we're handing, them back, we're handing them back to him to take care of after that as adults. Yeah. So we have an awesome responsibility as parents because we're doing this for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And, and I have um, – there, there are a few pastors I know that uh, probably have done the same thing that are – just amazing. Robert Emmett is another one. I mean, his kids are just totally amazing. Mm-hmm. Lon Ekdahl is another one. His kids are just, oh, they're, they're out of sight. But these are parents that took the time to raise the kids in a family that, that honored God. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably the bottom line there. Um, so, 
Anyway, so your family's a great family. I mean, I think they're, they're wonderful. You're truly an immigrant, which is kind of unique, you know, in this discussion. We're just blessed. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they like their parents or grandparents or great-great-grandparents or great-great-great-somewhere parent, you know, mm-hmm. that came over from whether Ireland or Scotland or England or France or Germany or Mexico, somewhere way in the past. But you came direct, so it's kind of nice. And knowing that you were here and then you worked your way into – uh, resident to become a resident of the United States. I mean, that was uh, that was quite a feat. I mean, you it took time, it took money, it took uh, diligence for you to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, it takes hard work because you have to be responsible at your job. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, that's definitely and, true. And actually, I want to say you, you were asking about uh, talking about myself and my family and all that. And uh, I think something really important to know is that. Uh, we are pastors, but also we have a responsibility that we, uh, having a job. Uh, there are pastors that they uh, can uh, lead a church and they have their ministry and all of that. But at the same time, uh, I mean, and they work for the church and they get their income from the church. And you, we can see in the Bible how uh, Apostle John and Peter and all of them, they were part of the church and they got, but also there are pastors or apostles like Paul. You know, Paul, he had a business and he uh, he uh, collaborated with Priscilla and Aquila and they had their own business. They were doing tents, mm-hmm. you know. So there are, um, in the Bible, we see apostles that they uh, are fully in the ministry and apostles that they were, uh, they had a job, but also they were in the ministry. Uh my wife and I, we are more like Paul. So Monday through Friday, we have to work, and uh, we have this rec- recruiting business. Uh, my job is to find clients, and Patty's job is recruit the candidates. So also we work together, uh, you know. But after five, we are pastors. You know, when brothers and sisters, they call, and they need, need, need something, they need prayer, or we go to Bible group, or we lead a Bible group, or, or on Saturday and Sunday, we have the Sunday service. So I think it is important to understand, and especially many people are listening now, is that you don't have to be an ordained pastor from a specific institute and be a full-time pastor in order to become a pastor. I believe that God can use anybody who has a heart to serve him and make him grow and help him grow and still keeping your job or keeping their job and also working in the ministry. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. In fact, when I lived in Hawaii, um, most churches that are probably 80 or below in, pop- in population as far as the church goes. However, a lot of the pastors, you know, they can't, they can't, the churches can't afford to pay the pastors, so they usually have... Uh, either a secondary job or they have a job that gives them the income so they can afford to pastor the church. And you have that a lot. So uh, it's called bivocational. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, in a lot of countries where you're doing mission work, like, um, well, you're familiar with Moldova, uh, missionaries there, they are full-time ministry, but they receive their income because of support like for you and I or other people who send them support so they can spend the entire time in full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. So you have, whether it works one way or the other, whether you have an income from the church or from somewhere else, you know, whether it's somebody giving to you or whether you're working for it, it really doesn't matter. It's still, mm-hmm. the ministry is the ministry. Um, one of the things that I, I commend you with is that your ministry, you know, is, doesn't supersede your family. And in a lot of ministers, it does. And then a lot of ministers lose their families because of it. So I see in you, you know, your family is utmost important. And I think that's uh, for us ministers, we need to realize that our families is ministry. Mm-hmm. It's part of our ministry. And we can't forego that or forsake that or turn away. Uh, from that, I know there are people who, you know, because they are in the ministry, they um, they spend most of their time at the church or whatever job it is, and then their wife or children or so forth come second mm-hmm. or come last, and that's where you start losing your family. So it's all a, a tricky thing, but it's all about balance, you know, yeah. and keeping Jesus focused in all relationships, not just the uh, first, second, or third place, but it's every relationship 
Jesus needs to be focused in all that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I really also think it's kind of cool that uh, looking at your church, and I was I was uh, f- very familiar with your church when you left uh, CBC and you went on your own. Okay, I think I was even part mm-hmm. of some of that. Um, <clears throat> what's really cool is watching your church grow. Uh, I knew that when you were at CBC, you didn't, you basically didn't, you actually told Robert Emmett, you know, I'll do this without pay. Because <laughs> your heart was about the ministry. Yeah. Okay. And I knew that. And it was very, very cool when, when you did that. And I think that's where Robert was is about, you know, I think his heart was sunk because of situations that had happened. And so when you came along, it was almost like you were a lift for him, mm-hmm. you know, which was really good. And God blessed you in this ministry. I mean, you actually outgrew the walls there that were given to you at CBC. Mm-hmm. So you almost had to go out on your own just because you were too big. Yeah. So um, just the other day, I noticed. So when you say Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, that's not totally true that you were <laughs> – because as a pastor, you know as well as I do that, you know, when when uh, something calls, you have to jump up and do it. Yeah. Okay. So I know on Fridays, you and, and many members of your church give away food for those in need on Fridays. Right? Yes. And you give to about, what, 100 people or so? About 120 families that they drive through. So this is a small church, about what? How many now you have? Uh, about 110, 120 members. Okay. So 120 members or so, and you're giving to about 120 people. Now, these aren't necessarily people in your church. These are people in the, in the community. community. This is remarkable, and this is really cool. And this is what I commend you for because your church is doing, making a difference in the community that you're in. Now, the other thing I think is really cool is that you ran out of space from another Church, English-speaking church. Mm-hmm. So you actually have two churches in this one building, correct? Yes. Now, uh-huh. because of this giving of food and, to these families, the two churches have come together and are working together on this. Isn't that true? Yes, that, that is true. Talk to uh, us about that. Uh, yeah, let, let me tell you. Uh, and it, it is really, I, I think this is going to sound weird, but I think God is very funny. Because sometimes God does things that he only knows that he's going to do, and we have no idea that we are gonna, what we're going to go through. And with this new, with this new season, with the pandemic, uh, of course, we wanted to do something. And uh, which, by the way, I have to say this, uh, uh, everything we do at church, we always do it, my wife and I, you know. And uh, I'm, I'm, it was one of the first Sundays that she said, it would be great, she said it, uh, on the online service, it would be great if we can serve and we could give uh, food to the people. And uh, that same week, a brother from the church that he worked at a big company, they were, uh, he said, we're, we're always uh, giving away whatever we have left over uh, in good condition. If you want, you can come and pick it up. I said, great. So we went there and we picked up everything and also other brothers and volunteers from their, with their own money, they've gone to HEB and they buy bread and eggs and rice and sugar. So whatever we get from this company plus what the church has done that too. But uh, the, the heart of these brothers, they're giving always a lot more out of their own pocket. So people come by and... They have already formed the team. And my wife, Patty, I think she's done a great job there because she started with the idea and started developing everything, and now they're all working together. So i got to say this. In a way, it's kind of unfair. <laughs> no, I'm not saying because of you. Uh, it, it is not me. We are a couple. It's my wife and I. You know, I don't want to be the, the pastor that, oh, yeah, he. But uh, we work together as in marriage, you know, as pastors. But uh, you said it. A little while ago, sometimes Patty comes with the greatest ideas. And uh, this idea was great. It got opened the door. And uh, it has been almost three months 
that we've been giving all this uh, food uh, to different people, and uh, they come by the church. And uh, right now, maybe the need is not as big. But uh, one month ago, two months ago, people didn't have a job, didn't have money, couldn't go to get groceries. And it has been really a blessing to be able to bless others. But I also want to raise up this team of volunteers that also out of their own pocket, they're giving food to more people, which is great. You know, when you have people like that committed to God, they're not willing to, they're not looking for the uh, position. They're not looking for anything. They just want to help people. And I think that w- really works well in our topic when we talk about liberty and freedom, because when we're giving, you know, that's true freedom. That's true liberty, you know, in within ourselves. And it's liberty for the gift that we give to those people that are receiving. Mm-hmm. So I think that's uh, a true sign of freedom. It's a true sign of liberty. And I think that's really great. When you mentioned uh, Patty, I have to tell you that, yeah, Patty is um, Patty's the one with a lot of ideas. She is so, those of you who don't know, if you go to their website and click on it, and, and if you're in San Antonio area, um, you, it, because they don't write about each other on the, on the website, neither <laughs> Patty nor Carlos, you have to know that Patty has run a Bible study for years uh, online, on Facebook. She's been on television. Uh, she's very influential. She's got a heart of gold, and, and she has, she's very charismatic. <laughs> you know, she can come into a crowd of women. All of a sudden, instead of two or three, you've got 20 or more. And she's got this influence and charis- charisma that is just God-given. Uh-huh. You know, and, and I really, you know, really see that. I mean, it's just a, totally amazing. So the two of you together really are a whole package. You know, and I think that's what makes it so wonderful. Yeah, and that has been a blessing. Yeah. So, yeah, I love Patty. Of course, I have to say this because she's sitting behind over here, and she has to hear <laughs> me say it. But, um, but no, their family is amazing. Uh, what's really nice is on their website, you have a scripture, okay? It's in Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5.17, which says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, a new life has begun. Mm-hmm. And I think that getting into our topic, I think that's where we need to begin. I mean, when we look at the, our country or our countries, mm-hmm. you know, or the nation around the world, all the different countries, there is, there is so much turmoil. There is so much uh, that people either take for granted or they are... Uh, in a self, woe is me, or they're lashing out. And there's a lot of stuff out there that people, they're, they're striving for freedom. They're striving for some kind of liberty because they feel oppressed. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they're really oppressed or not, I don't know. But, you know, I can't deny the fact that it's a real feeling. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, and I think that when I'm looking around and we look around at, at our country and we have a lot of freedom in our country. And we, you and I were talking uh, a week ago or so about other countries. And there's other countries that have a lot of freedom and have a lot of uh, their government is set up that way. I mean, I, I have family in Canada and there's a lot of freedom in Canada. I wouldn't say that the United States has more or less freedom than Canada does. Mm-hmm. You know, so... You, since you had something to say to me the other day, yeah. speak on this. Yeah, actually, uh, I believe that the word freedom, uh, it can be taken in a bad uh, concept sometimes. Uh, because sometimes when you say about freedom, if you tell a kid, uh, you're going to go to camp on, dur- during the summer and you'll be free to do anything you want. So in the kid's mind, it's going to be like, oh, I'm going to have freedom. I'm gonna, but there are going to be boundaries. There are going to be limits. You know, and I believe that the very first uh, lesson that we all receive from God, it is with Adam and Eve, because he told them, this is, this is yours, and you can eat from any tree you want in all the garden, except for from that one. And maybe he was talking about a thousand of trees, you know, but God gave him the freedom, but at the same time, he set the limit. Mm-hmm. And there, every time there is freedom, there are also limits and boundaries that are set. It's not like there's no such thing as total freedom. 
you know, because always there have to be guidelines. And I believe that in every country there is a certain amount of freedom, but also there are some guidelines or there are some certain rules that people should not uh, go beyond that, you know. So when we talk about freedom, I believe that it is really important for us to understand that we are free, especially as Christians. We, we have the freedom in, in Christ to do to do whatever we want with our life to grow, to get closer to Him, to grow in ministries and help and help others, freedom to help others. But also there are going to be some boundaries, you know, where, we didn't, where we're not to get in, into sin or we're not to get into doing bad things or taking advantage of people. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I don't know if that is exactly what you are, are expecting, but really uh, that's what I believe that freedom should be about. Well, you're right, and I think that when we look at free, even like when we in the United States, we have our uh, Constitution, we have our Bill of Rights, and the First Amendment is we have freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. So when we say freedom of speech, okay, so I have the freedom and the right to say basically what I want, but I don't have the right to go into a, a crowded area and yell fire when there's not a fire. I I have the freedom to speak the truth, but I should not have the freedom to lie as if it was the truth. Or to be offensive. Or to be offensive. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so I think you're right. Freedom, there's, if you have total freedom individually to do whatever you want, we'd have total chaos because my freedom may offend or oppose upon your freedoms. And when it does that, then we have oppression. We have things yeah. that are not really uh, totally free. There is something that maybe you never thought about, but I thought about this this week. Uh, we can have freedom, but a problem is when we have a clash of freedoms. What do I mean with that? Uh, this week, uh, there was a march of protesters. They have the freedom to to protest. And they went by a house, and this family, they had guns and machine guns, the couple. They have the freedom of bearer. Weapons, so both are correct. One's with their with their weapons, and the other because they're protesting. But what we see there is that this freedom and this freedom are clashing, and it was on the news, you know. So the point about freedom is that we cannot take advantage of freedom. Right. There is a limit always, and we need to do it by the rules and the guidelines that are set. You know, it's interesting too. Um, in the United States, because we speak about freedom so much, it's almost in, in every conversation or we have daily, we have talk mm-hmm. about freedom or our liberty or our rights or constitutional rights. And, um, you know, for example, because of this coronavirus, so I have a mask, I keep it in my pocket, and every time I go into a building, you know, I, I, wear, mm-hmm. I wear my mask. Now, in one sense, that's not freedom because I'm told I need to wear a mask. But in another sense, you know, it's recognizing other people's freedom for not getting sick. Mm-hmm. So, for, so, for example, if I wear a mask and I don't feel free about it, I have to recognize the person that's next to me. You know, if I save them from getting sick or they save me from getting sick, there's mm-hmm. a freedom within there that's universal, and it's about respect and freedom. When you and I talk are, are talking about freedom, it's about respecting others. Mm-hmm. So I could do what I want in freedom, and it's my respect for somebody else that that helps it not clash with the other person. Yes, yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. And there is where I think that uh, the concept of freedom can be misunderstood. Because freedom always has to come with some rules, norms, and boundaries and limits. Right. There is no such thing as total freedom. Well, there is. But with total freedom, you have anarchy, you have chaos, (laughs) you have death, you have things that we don't want. Things that we're starting to see on the street now. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of freedom, that kind of anarchy... It brings death and bring, and then we wonder what's going on. Well, it's because people are trying to demand something that isn't theirs, which is offensive and hurtful to others. And mm-hmm. we need to be careful and learn that respect of other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where freedom really is it, is when, in respect. Yes. So. Yeah. 
And, and I, uh, I, I believe that uh, there is worldly freedom and there is spiritual freedom. Because worldly freedom is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But spiritual freedom, when you see uh, John 8, 31 and 32, well, what it says is, uh, Jesus is saying, if you hold on to my teachings, you will know the truth. And the truth, and the truth will set you, will you free. free. Yeah. But that freedom comes from holding on to Jesus' teaching. If I'm o- obedient to Jesus, by being obedient to him, I will understand better the scriptures. I will understand better the truth. And when I understand the scriptures by obeying, then everything starts making sense in my life. Then I'll know the truth. And that truth is the one that is going to set us free. You know, and that is the spiritual freedom that Jesus is talking about. And, uh, and of course, the Jews and the, the, the Jews were thinking in some different kind of freedom. But Jesus is talking about this spiritual freedom. And sometimes even we as Christians, we fall for the concept of worldly freedom. But really, we need to focus on the freedom that is set by Jesus to our lives. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, a, I have something written here I think it's interesting. It's from Martin Luther King. He says this, Our lives begin to end when we are silent about the things that matter. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I know that Martin Luther King's uh, marches and his protests were about civil liberties and, and the rights and freedoms of a person in their own human rights, which which I totally agree with. I think that, you know, it doesn't matter about whether it's a color issue. It doesn't matter if it's a status issue. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's a mm-hmm. national issue. Everybody has a human right to freedom. I mean, it just it is what it is. And um, when we find people oppressed, we find that their freedoms are, are diminished or taken away or, yeah. you know, or and so forth. So I think that it's important that why I said this, why that stood out to me is because, you know, I've been on Facebook watching things more lately than ever, probably because I'm home a lot more, probably, you know, you have all the much more time. Um, But I'm reading things that are just really wearing my heart down. And, And I'm watching, uh, because what you said is absolutely 100% correct. I mean, you know, we have freedom in the world, which we consider we have freedom to do things, whether it be in our country or other countries or nationally or worldwide. These are political freedoms. These are freedoms as human rights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when, when God told Adam and Eve, you know, they basically you have a choice. You can eat from any of these trees— Freedom. That's freedom. So God gave Adam and Eve, he gave mankind free will. And it's in this free will that we have, we choose whether we want to have total freedom and live with total freedom, or we're going to choose and choose oppression or, or things that are going to weigh us down. Mm-hmm. It really comes back to us and our, our choices. Uh, For years and years and years, I taught to my classes that the choices you make today will, in fact, affect your tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's true with every person. It's true in every situation. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter what it is, your choices that you make today will will affect your uh, your choices or your lifestyle next year or the year after or so forth. And... The problem, I think, is we've gotten away from the idea of God at the center, so therefore let's make wise choices that he has set up so that we can actually be free. A lot of the scriptures, when we talk about freedom, you know, uh, scripturally, we think of what is spiritual, where a lot of times, a lot of the scriptures, when they talk about freedom, isn't just a spiritual walk, it's also a, a human walk. And I mm-hmm. think that... You know, if we can get all spiritual about it, but God gave us freedom as as a human right, you know, not just a spiritual right. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to understand that. I come from a family 
that's mixed up in, I mean, color-wise. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in an area, you know, if you're familiar with San Fernando area, Southern California, you know, there's total mix of people. I lived in Hawaii with a, another different kind of total mix of people. You know, it, it's amazing, you know, where you can choose to be free or choose to be enslaved. And I really believe that I see around uh, the world, around our country, around our city, um, that people are making choices that are in, in making them in bondage, putting them uh-huh. in, in bondage, bondage to themselves, bondage to hurt, bondage to pain. Um, I run a class on Sundays. And we've been on Zoom, you know, this last few months and so forth. And, and the last three weeks, we've been talking about stuff like this. And I think there's a lot of ache and pain and hurt and, mm-hmm. and quandary. Like, what is happening? I don't understand. And, and I think that one of the things that I, I, I've said over and over again is that we are the representatives of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we need to be focused on Jesus in order to, to show ourselves as Jesus' representative. And what I started this little segment on uh, was on the fact that I see people on Facebook, people that, that are in the church, people that are in ministry, people that, are, that I know very well, and people that I don't know all that well. And it seems like there's constant total bickering, or constant and total putting people down. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're of the world or you're, you're of the church or you say you're of Jesus. I see it all over. Yeah. And there can't be any freedom at all with any of these people as long as they continue that. What, what do you think as a, as a pastor, as somebody uh, that I, you know, I really honor in this topic? What do mm-hmm. you have to say? Yeah, um, I, I believe it, it is kind of hard to understand people's minds. And I'll tell you like this. Uh, here in San Antonio, we have a church where we have different kind of people coming from different kind of, I mean, Christians coming from different kind of countries. And uh, in their mindset, uh, the, the concept of freedom it can be very different from one person to another because uh, the concept can vary depending on their, the country they're coming from and the situation that they went through and what they can understand by freedom. Uh, in general, I can say that uh, when we want to have people to accept our terms is where we lose freedom. You know, uh, that, that kind of comments that you're talking about that uh, among Christians and non-Christians, and, uh, people can think differently about a concept in terms of freedom, even ber- uh, how is it, bearing weapons and all of those things. Uh, for some people, they would agree. Some people would not agree, you know. And, uh, but it, this is nothing that we can impose to anybody. You know, because when I understand what it says uh, in the Bible, I mean, we have to love each other. It doesn't matter who we are. And when we talk about uh, when the Bible says in the New Testament, I mean, there were Romans, there were centurions, there were warriors, there were people who were just to to kill, you you know. So there were different mindsets. And the... the Romans thought of freedom in a different way that the Jews thought of freedom. You know what I mean? Uh, so what I, what I believe is that we as Christians, we are the ones that we really need to, uh, not to be the ones that talk about it or insult others or be offensive to others because their belief in freedom, quote-unquote, uh, is not the same as ours. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Uh-huh. But when we're talking about their freedom's not like ours. When you say ours, ours as believers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So ours as believers, but what about the believer that's out there that's consistently 
putting down the other side. Well, you are this, or you're of that, you're of this party, or you're of this uh, belief, or you're of this church, or you're of that denomination, or you're of, and all it is is a put down of the opposite side because they're not on on your terms, on your mm-hmm. side. Okay, what about that? I'm going to tell you a very personal opinion about that. Uh, I believe that we are living in, 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 in an era where we tend to categorize everything. And we cannot categorize everything. You know, uh, I hear people that they say, oh, he's a Democrat. Oh, he must be gay or he must be, uh, you know, because whatever they thought. And as a pastor, it doesn't matter who comes to your church. It doesn't matter what they think politically. Everybody needs help. You know what I mean? And uh, we cannot have any prejudice towards anybody because the freedom they're really looking for is the freedom in Jesus. You know, and when we talk about that is that he will set us free from sin. He will set us free from all those things that you're talking about, being offensive or criticized or putting people down. I mean, it doesn't matter who we are and what we believe politically. The most important thing is that we need help from God. And that is the, the point that where we need to see that God is going to give us the freedom. It's not going to change. Oh, it's not going to change. Uh, Christianity is not going to change the country. But it's going to change their hearts. Well, I, I do believe that Christianity can change the country, but only if the people in their individual hearts change their heart and then come together. I believe that's actually scriptural, and we're going to talk about that toward the end okay. of the show. Um, you know, I, I just have a real concern with um, with. Uh, well, let me say it this way. Um, I had a, a lunch with a, a friend the other day, and we were talking about our, our callings. And mm-hmm. so uh, he's an evangelist. He, his calling is to win those in, to Christ, into Christ. My calling is for those who have been won to Christ, who have come into the, the walls of the church, if you will, not necessarily the buildings, but okay, yeah, and to educate and lift up and bring those into a, a standing that they understand Scripture and learn from that and grow. So we have two different callings. Mine is not to go out into the world and knock on people's doors. Mine, mm-hmm. once you come in, I'm there to help educate. And actually, in in some areas, I actually do a lot of uh, ministering to those who are in ministry. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know why how that came about, but for some reason— you know, I've become a pastor to pastors in some areas, and I think that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But it's not because I wanted to. It just sort of happened. Um, but I really believe, uh, you know, we said earlier, if we know the truth, the truth shall set you free. You know, Peter said something in, in 1 Peter 3, 3, uh, 2.16. It says this, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for mm-hmm. evil. Yep but living as servants of God. Mm -hmm. I guess my frustration is I want believers to understand that we are free in the service of Christ. We are Mm -hmm. free to honor him. We are free to uh, exalt him. We Mm -hmm. are free to love one another. We are free to obey Jesus and his teachings. And when we start to do things like I am free to do what I want, regardless of whether it hurts somebody else, this is where Peter said, don't, don't do it as a cover up for, for evil, because that's yeah. what it is. And I think the Bible speaks to this about what's happening, not only to those in the world, but those in the church, those who are believers that we need to stop hurting others just because they don't believe the same way we do or they step on our toes or they believe something that's different in the way I think is sin. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Peter talks to this, and we need to take a, in, in account the fact that, you know, our freedom needs to uplift Jesus. Yep. And our freedom needs to focus on him so that others can see us 
in respect to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really is the bottom line, I believe. I mean, we're, if, our, if our foundation as a believer is to become like Jesus, then that should be our center focus is to become like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there, when I first discovered, well, I don't know if I discovered it. When I first realized, it's like dawned on me that God is holy. Mm-hmm. Is when I really understood freedom. Because then I understood that God isn't just love. He isn't just forgiveness. He's holy. And that set a lot of me free. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I grew up in a, in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. And I and I for years I dealt with demons of my life from my, when I was young, and I had to rid them. And it was hard to rid some of this stuff. Um, and I don't blame anybody. I don't blame any parent. I just it was my doing to get rid of whatever was there. But it really didn't come easy until I recognized God is holy. Once I recognized God was holy, and all these other things flew uh, would flow from holiness, mm-hmm. and I need to become like Him. It became a lot easier. Yeah, it was. I was free. I was freer inside than ever before. I mean, what do you think? That's what that's about. I mean, I believe that there is institutional Christianity, and there is Christianity from the heart, and it is so easy to become a good institutional Christian. Because I do things exactly the way that my church is asking me to do. But we forget, we forget about God. Because the purpose is not to please a pastor. The purpose is not to please a church. The purpose is to please God. Exactly. And it is so easy to walk thinking that we are Christians and we're just making sure that we please everybody at the church in a good way. The policies, the guidelines, everything they're saying that you're supposed to do in their uh, doctrine and congregation. But reality, the most important thing is that God wants to set us free. And uh, you can always tell when somebody is set free by God because you can see the expression. You can see their face. You can see how they were living in sin and really God truly forgave everything and they know and they understand they're forgiven by God and they're totally free. Not to, not free to do anything they want, but they're free from all, the, all of that sin. And when that burden falls, now everything changes. And, and I believe that we really need to focus really in us pleasing God rather than pleasing institutions. And it is so easy to be caught up on the pleasing institution because the pastor loves me because I've been doing whatever, you know, and uh, it's not pleasing God. I, I mean, it's not pleasing people. It is pleasing God. Of course, we have to do things according to the church that we go to, mm-hmm. but the purpose is not to please the institution. Yeah, I was a associate pastor in the Nazarene church for several years, and and there were things that I didn't totally agree with, but because I chose to work in the Nazarene church, I took an oath to honor the church. So there were things that even if I didn't totally agree were accurate or true or whatever it was, I still lived by them because I took that oath to live by them. So I never felt like I was in bondage to that because I chose this. And mm-hmm. it was fine because I felt like, well, you know, the Nazarene church is honorable and I really liked the church. And I've gone from there to non-denominational churches and so forth that have certain rules are there and, and some rules they didn't have any longer. But I never felt um, in bondage for a decision I made because I wanted to honor Jesus. And that really is really where it's at. There's a scripture yes. here in Galatians chapter 5, 13 uh-huh. and 14. I want to read this. This is kind of cool. Paul says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through the love, through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is freedom. <laughs> I mean, 
why don't we get it? Mm-hmm. Why don't we get it? We, you know, it was it was interesting on Facebook. Somebody put on there the, the other day is that why why is all this chaos? Why are all this problems? Why can't see people see? What is it? What is it that changes it? And I wrote on there simply, the the answer has been staring us in the face for for years and years and years. The answer is this total surrender to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That really is the answer to any kind of non freedom or oppression. To for real, real freedom is true freedom. I wrote this down. Uh, real freedom or true freedom mm-hmm. is a freedom of the soul. Yeah, that's real and true freedom. And um, I think that that's what we need to grab a hold of and understand more than anything. Let me ask you something: When Apostle Paul was in jail, was he free? Well, he sure sounded like he was free because he was singing and praising God and, you know, and doing all the things that uh, seemed happy. He was free. He was free. Because it's not about the chains around his wrist. It's about the lack of chains around his heart. Uh-huh. It's just like joy. You know, you can have, you can have joy even though you're living in some kind of oppressed area. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think that people are missing it. Yeah. yeah, and even uh, you can see some of the letters of Apostle Paul. Some of the letters were written at the at his worst moment while in jail. I mean, worst quote unquote. And some of the letters, uh, the letter of Thessalonians, and uh, some of those letters, Philippians, and uh, he was in jail. Well, and most, he was writing most. some of the most uh, cheerful letters to the Christians. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was free. I mean, his soul was free. You know, even though physically he was in jail. Yeah. In fact, most of his letters he was in jail. <laughs> so you know, it's kind of interesting that we have all of these letters that, from somebody in prison, and yet when you read them, you would never have guessed at all that, that he was in jail. Yeah, I think that's one of the best examples of someone who understands freedom being captive (laughs) you know um today is a is a very monumental day um you may not know this but um you do know that i support and i travel to uh the republic of moldova every year yes and so um i i want to put moldova on the map i've talked about it on a lot of my shows Mm -hmm. but i want to put it on the map for everybody Moldova is a little bitty country, probably the size of Connecticut if you're in the United States, but it's a really little bitty country. It's got a few million people is all they have. And they are sandwiched between Romania and the Ukraine. They're mm-hmm. just a little bitty country between them. you got Poland up here and, and Russia's all over here. Little place, and right underneath it you have the Black Sea, okay? In the last week or so, I've been getting all kinds of emails and notices and Facebook posts and questions asking for to tell them what our what we need in prayer. They are praying. Okay, the Christians have come together in Moldova to pray for the people of the United States of America. They are they well right now it's uh, nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. You know, their time. So basically, they spent the day today fasting for our country because we are in turmoil, because we are impoverished, basically. Um, I wrote them back and I says, yeah, I mean, you know, we are, our country and nation is steeped in sin, whether it's in our churches, whether it's in our homes, whether, you know, all over, we're steeped in sin. We, and we just, we need a way out. I mean, it's, there's only one way out there is. But I find it so amazing and remarkable that this little bitty country halfway around the world, mm-hmm. okay, if you want to fly there, it usually takes a day to get there. Uh, it's, but they are in prayer, in fasting wow. for us. Now, fasting, like some people think, it's not, oh, I give up my Coca-Cola for a week, <laughs> You know, or I'm going to stop eating ice cream for a day. That's not fasting. Fasting is replacing a time that you have a meal or something like that with prayer. Yeah. So they've done this for the day today because they're over with it now. But I find that remarkable. 
I find that true ministry. I find that true love of mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, that they are praying for our nation. They are praying for our, our, the believers over here. Yeah. How often are we as believers, how can we think that we need to stop doing some of these activities that we do and just start to fast and come together and pray for our own nation? Because we're out there criticizing. We're out there in the marches mm-hmm. ourselves. We're out there doing these things, but when have we sought Jesus? When have we sat down and realized, whoa, I don't need to be going there or here or so forth or writing these things. I need to seek Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the crux of the matter. Yeah, yeah. And not only um, what amazes me is that they're fasting and praying for a country that is not their country. Exactly. You know, because when you have a heart for for the lost, when you have a heart for others, when you have a heart for people who are in trouble, I mean, it's not that God just bless me, but God bless them. And that is a great kind of heart, you know, that they're, uh, they're fasting for, for the U.S. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not normal, you know. Well, it should be normal, unfortunately, because people are full of sin. It's become you know, not normal, mm-hmm. but it should be normal. We should. There are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are their brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. We're related in that, that format, that arena. And because we are, they feel for us. Well, they've got, a, they, they totally understand it. They understand this. And over here, I'm wondering, do we really understand do we really get the fact that they are our brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. I mean, if they were hurting, do we take the time to pray for them? I have never seen it. Mm-hmm. But here's a country that came out of, you know, the uh, USSR, came out of oppression, came out of communism, and here they're, they're fighting for their own. They're working for their freedom. Jesus is working in this country, like a, a, an amazing, mm-hmm. you know, ministry there. And here they feel our pain. And so, therefore, they pray for us. Wow. I am so totally amazed at these people. I, I just love them to pieces. And I just think that God has really grabbed a hold of their hearts, you know, in ways that, that are beyond most of our, our comprehension. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's another passage, and I, I want to close up with these thoughts. Yeah. Okay. Um, we, we talked a, a little bit ago about, I said, I really believe that there is a way for America to rise above. Now, I do believe, by the way, because I've, I've been asked this question even on this show, I do believe mm-hmm. we're heading toward the end times. And when we look at, you know, like the four horsemen, you know, one of them is the lack of peace. One of them is famine. One of them is Pestilence, which is what we're experiencing, coronavirus or SARS or H1N1, all mm-hmm. these things we're, we're experiencing. However, we need to keep focus on Jesus. And there's something in the Old Testament and in Second Chronicles. I, I think I've read this on this show before, mm-hmm. but it's become, it's become the scripture in my heart that I've been telling people. I've been telling my classes. I've been telling people all over. Uh, I've been telling you on the show, and I really believe if we really want healing for our nation, we really need to seek God, and, and God gives us the plan. Yeah. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and this is what God says. When I shut up heaven and there is no more rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, now, pestilence, if you don't know, is a disease. It's like a disease that's not curable, something mm-hmm. we're experiencing today. Okay? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, mm-hmm. and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. I mean, all four of these have to be in play here, not just all oh, pray, yeah. but all of them. Okay, humble, seek face, and turn from your ways, your wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I don't believe that America or the United States will find healing, true healing, until we 
believers, not everybody in the world or everybody in the country, but believers. When believers take this to heart and start doing this, start fasting, start praying, start really seeking them, their, their own wickedness out, re- releasing that and seeking God. Mm-hmm. When believers start to do this, we can start seeing a healing of our land, this healing of the United States. If we don't do this, I don't think it's going to happen. And I don't know what you think, mm-hmm. but that's my personal take on this. Of course, that's what God wants. I mean, he really wants us to humble ourselves, really to seek him with our, with our heart. And it's not only until we turn our wicked ways that he will bless and he will bless or heal the land. Mm-hmm. And that is a fact. Many times we want just to take the shortcut. We just want the blessing. But we just don't want to go through the process. Right. And not going through the process is not going to go anywhere. You know, it's trying to bake a cake without putting it in the oven. <laughs> I mean, it'll never become a cake. We don't want to go through the process of the oven. And, uh, and God has a plan. And when we go through the whole process, he has a way to heal, to heal the land. Yeah. And I think the, the scripture all through the Bible, you know, gives us ways to walk through this, ways to uh, find healing, ways to find freedom. And I think that, you know, if we truly want freedom, we truly want liberty, then we need to seek his face. And mm-hmm. we need to apply it to our lives and live in the way that it teaches us to live. I really, really, truly believe that. Yes. Well, it's been such a pleasure having you on our show. No, thank you, Alan. It has so, been great to be here. I re- really appreciate the invitation, and uh, it's great to see you. So we'll have to have lunch today. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, f- thank you for joining our show today. You've been on The Believer's Journey. And if you have time, go to our, our website, the believersjourney.net, and you can see all the things we uh, represent, the things we uh, promote. And um, it's been so nice to have you on our show, and you have a wonderful week. And Lord bless you so much. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.